Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by SEO Samba, comprehensive high-performing marketing solutions for mature and emerging franchise brands. To supercharge your franchise marketing, go to seosamba.com. That's S-E-O-S-A-M-B-A dot com. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Mike Gould with Houndstown USA. Welcome, Mike. Welcome. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on the show and giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about our Houndstown USA franchise. Yes. Before we get too far into things, tell us in general about Houndstown USA. How are you serving, folks? Yeah. So Houndstown USA is unique in that it's a fully interactive doggy daycare that doesn't discriminate against dog breeds. So we've been since our inception, we've done about we've had about two million visitors. So our specialty is the interaction, understanding the dog, and putting them into play groups pretty much all day long. So uh, tell me just in general about the doggy daycare market. So some doggy daycares don't do that. It's uh, they have different kind of ways of interacting with the dogs. Yeah. So the devil is in the details. So, you know, the term doggy daycare is very generic. What does that mean? Do I drop my dog off for the day and you put him in a cage? Do you, does he play for 15 minutes, 20 minutes? Do you take him for walks? What is my dog's experience really going to be like? And, you know, our competitors, frankly, they have all different versions to make it work for them. So, yeah. So sometimes it's a 20 minute playtime. Sometimes it's an hour and a half. Sometimes they separate them. Sometimes there's no playtime. So, so, yeah, we're unique in the sense that we really have a deep, deep, deep understanding of the dog brain and the dog needs. So that allows us to put very unique packs of dogs together by size and personality and temperament. And then what's the benefit of that to the dog? Ah, great question. So that's dogs. Dogs are social pack animals. They haven't changed. They've been domesticated about 20,000 years ago. So they haven't evolved at all. So their benefit is to, it's like a child playing with children. So a two or three-year-old child, there's a social need for three-year-old children to play with other, interact with other children. So dogs are even more uniquely structured. So they have a need. They were separated from their pack when they were born, their natural pack, their litter. And then it's all the interaction is with humans, and they never get that outlet to be a dog. So then uh, if I drop my dog at Houndstown, USA, uh, you're going to kind of put them around similarly temperamented dogs so they'll feel like they're back with their pack? Right, right, because they're dogs. So it's analogous. Exactly. We do a very quick temperament evaluation. We make sure the dog's not overtly aggressive, obviously, to humans. And then we introduce them to one of our dogs that we have present in our facilities. And we, the the interaction takes about seconds to see and understand the behavior of one another. It's it's, again, it's analogous to putting fish in water. You don't really have to teach them anything. They already know how to do it. Uh, So, so yeah. So if you came with your dog, we have you fill out some paperwork. We do this very neutral or aggressive. Those are primarily the three possibilities. And the same thing, then we introduce a dog. Is he afraid? Is he, you know, what's his reaction to the sight of another dog or the presence of another dog? And once we establish that, there we go. We have his first, your dog's first best friend. And then we build groups around that. We don't just take your dog, for example, and throw him into a group of 20 dogs and keep our fingers crossed. We have a very 
methodical and there's a soft science to it. Now, how did you get into this line of work? Yeah, so my whole my career has been in law enforcement. I joined the NYPD in 1979, and I was uh, one of the founding members. In 1982, they established a, a pilot program in the parks. As you probably know, in the late 70s, early 80s, crime in New York City was out of control. So they were kind of desperate for a solution. So the NYPD wanted to gently and experiment with a canine unit. So I happen to be fortunate enough to be one of the very first members of that uh, pilot program. And we were situated in parks throughout the city and crime went down dramatically. Uh, and it, the rest is history. The rest of my life is involved in law enforcement, the military, and working with animals. And that's about you know, 40, 50 years now. So then what led you to um, kind of founding this franchise? Right. So in 2000, we started the, the, the I was getting ready to resign from the police department and people were asking. I was a lieutenant. I ran the canine unit for the Nassau County Police Department on Long Island. And people were asking me if I would watch their dogs for them. And I was like, <laughs> not really. I'm not a, a pet sitter. But the, the thought came, the question was asked a lot. So I decided to open a, a, a doggy daycare. And right, pretty much right after that, 9-11 happened, the tragedy of 9-11. So I was detailed to go there, but also all the rescue workers who had their private dog, the essential workers, similar to now, all the essential workers from 9-11 needed a place to bring their dogs. So my, so that was really the pivotal point for Houndstown and my interactive doggy daycare was 9-11. And from that point forward, we've always been taking care of essential workers, animals, cops, firemen, nurses, teachers, whoever it is, obviously, now we've pivoted towards healthcare workers and businesses. Uh, again, it, it, it's essential. It's not a luxury. So, you know, 20 years ago, people would roll their eyes at the concept of doggy daycare. But now more than ever, it's really become a necessity for pet owners. Not all, but many pet owners. Now, when you started this, were you always kind of looking at this as a franchise or did that kind of evolve over time as well? Oh yeah, that evolved. That I didn't even consider that till about ten years later, uh, because I wanted to make sure that the that the knowledge that I possessed was transferable to other people. And uh, you know, so I I take it very seriously. I'm not. Uh, I'm really not. It may, may sound cliche. I'm not really motivated by the money. It's really for my passion for dogs, number one, and and to be successful. So, uh, yeah, it took about 10 years, and, and you know the process. It's expensive. It's long-winded. There's all so many different hoops you have to jump through, so to speak. So, yeah, so we just started franchising about five years ago, and uh, since then, uh, things have been – this has been the most growth we've seen since we started was 2020, since the pandemic. Now, do you find that that's um, just because a lot of – people's individual financial situation was put in flux and they wanted to take more control over their future. So they, you know, they love dogs. So this is a good kind of fit for both their own personality and their passion. Yeah, completely. So the, the franchisee candidates that we're attracting now are entrepreneurs that were either in the hospitality or entertainment, you know, they wanted to do something fitness so now there's been this huge, huge shift because, frankly, 
you know, we've in 20 years, we've been through everything, 9-11, hurricanes, uh, housing crises. We've been through every economic challenge, meaning Houndstown, my franchise. And we've 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 kind of navigated straight through it with always success. And this is another example of it. We're reaching numbers that we haven't reached. It, it's kind of it's, it's surprising to me. It's not necessarily because of our wisdom. It's because of the trends in uh, the economy. And the fact is that people adopted dogs like crazy during in March, and now those same dogs need to be taken care of. So there was this little honeymoon phase and this romantic uh, relationship with the dogs that they, the shelters were empty. Now, sadly, people either, uh, you know, they, they're, they're, they can't manage the dogs, so they're either going back to the shelter or people are using our services to help balance the dog's energy. Can you explain uh, for the non-dog people, uh, at one point, doggy daycare was a luxury, and now it is becoming more of an essential part of how you take care of a dog. What, why, why, what caused that shift? Like, is that something that they just care so much about the dog they don't want to leave it alone, or is there some kind of real true benefit to keeping and socializing the dog around other dogs rather than leaving them in the house for eight to 10 hours. Right. Right. No, there's an extreme benefit to it. So, so what's happened, our relationship with dogs, meaning humans relationship with dogs shifted uh, and got very complicated within the last 75 years. So dogs are the same. They're no different than when they evolved from a gray wolf They're They don't have opposing thumbs. They don't stand erect. They don't have a neocortex. So dogs are dogs, and they always have been. They Again, they were domesticated. And then we started, humans started developing a bond to, for hunting and all these other things. Uh, but in the last 75 years, dogs have gone from the backyard into our home and now into our bed. And it's an unnatural environment for dogs. So now they have to, they start, not all dogs, but many, many, many dogs start demonstrating unwanted behaviors. And again, the biggest leap was in 2020 because people, you know, the word anthropomorphize, they project all their emotions and needs onto a dog. And a dog's not capable of that. Dogs can't be everything for everyone because they don't have a brain, a human brain. They have different emotional levels and they just have different needs. As I said, a bird needs to fly and fish need to swim. And we take, so, so, so in the last 10 months, it's it, the, the relationship we have with dogs. If you go to an airport, we're shoving them under the seat of our, our plane. We're trying to, we want them to fill every void in our life. And unfortunately, they're not human. So that's never going to happen. It's impossible. So, so when I say it's a necessity, the dogs come to doggy daycare, Houndstown specifically. They play from seven o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night. And they go home and they pass out. So then their needs are met at Houndstown. The human's needs with the dog is met when they get home, if that makes sense. Now, um, for the folks that are franchisees, uh, so I would imagine that a love of dogs is, that's kind of a priority, but also they don't have to have been your background of having kind of skill in this area before. They just, if they've kind of liked dogs and are like, there are certain people that are people, people, if these are dog people um, and they care about the dog, then they're probably kind of at least in the right frame of mind to be a Houndstown USA franchisee? Right. That's a great question. So there's an irony in a funny situation. So most, it, you know, it goes without saying in my world anyway, that most people like dogs or love dogs. The candidates that come to us that are overly attached to dogs, overly connected to dogs, overly emotionally attached, they don't really make good candidates. 
So the, the candidates we're looking for are entrepreneurs that, of course, have an appreciation for dogs and animals and nature, but understand at, at our place where we're, we're not playing with dogs. We're not that gets taken care of at home. That's not a need dogs have for us. So the answer is I'd rather have a blank slate for me. You could love dogs like dogs, but you don't need to know which end of the dog is which. You don't have to know the, the, the teeth end or the pooping end. We can te- I'd rather teach everybody from, from my perspective and from my experience and a blank. It's almost a, a requirement that people erase their thoughts and ideas about dogs because before they come into the system. And we have a very robust training system. Our discri- I'm doing three discovery days this, this week. And people come and we do a little demonstration and they see what I'm talking about and how simple it is. Humans have a tendency of complicating matters. They complicate everything, the human brain. And therefore, it's shocking how they complicate this business of pet care by just overthinking it, overanalyzing it. Uh, Yeah, so it's kind of a crazy toxic world, the relationship people have with dogs. And we're uh, we're just providing an outlet that's natural for dogs, period. So are you open for, is this something that a person could be an absentee owner, or do you prefer them to be kind of an owner-operator? Yeah, no, so so absolutely absentee. Two of our, uh, one of our corporate locations is completely absentee. Uh, we have one in, in South Jersey, and we operate it completely absentee. Obviously, for the first 90 days to six months, we need the owner present. The owner has to understand all the elements of the system, but by... 60 days, 90 days, you, our franchisees start weaning themselves off. It's almost a requirement because, it, it, in my view, if you're there every day and you're over micromanaging things, you're doing something wrong. So invariably, if I look and I see there's a, a problem, it's usually the franchisee getting involved and, and uh, uh, over, again, they're overanalyzing, micromanaging and getting the, in the way of the staff that we train very, as I said, very carefully, and we have a very well-designed training program. Now, is this an opportunity for someone where they can start in one location and expand uh, kind of organically around their area? Oh, absolutely. So the trend is right now is multi-unit deals, actually. Uh, you, uh, you know, we generally keep them limited to three packs, we call them three, you know, three area a territory with three units. And that's the trend right now. People are, they see this. And, and again, I'm very proud of myself. We're, we're really moving fast forward through the things have changed so dramatically. So the answer is yes. We have some people that are over at site uh, enthusiastic. Recently, we had somebody who wanted to buy 10 units and we didn't allow that. Uh, because, uh, you know, they had the, the, the wealth and the, the passion and all that, but, but they were getting ahead of their skis a little bit. So we wouldn't uh, do that. We, we do three packs or, or single unit deals. Now, uh, since your background was in, uh, you spent a lot of time training dogs, how mm-hmm. much of that transfers to training franchisees? Is there any skills from training a dog to training a human? Is there an overlap in in giving them a little or rewards or any of the kind of techniques you would use with a dog that kind of transfers to human? Right. No, absolutely. So the humans obviously are the most difficult because they have a a human brain. So humans come to the table with a lot of of things going on. Mostly it's over-analytical. Our biggest failures 
I shouldn't say biggest failures, our biggest personal failures, in, in my view, is when people overanalyze, right? Uh, analysis by paralysis by analysis, and they just think so much. Dogs are so simple. And what I tell people when they come to my training, whether and I do a lot of behavioral work on the side, I do a lot for charities, and I'm always I'm involved with dogs seven days a week. But interacting with dogs are so simple that most people can't do it because they bring this energy and they're talking to dogs, they're yelling at dogs, they're feeding, they're doing crazy things. And dogs are so opposite of that. So the first thing I teach franchisees on day one is don't look, talk, or touch the dogs. And I say, this is going to be so easy, you're not going to do it. And if you have a dog at home, if anybody's listening, just think of this simple uh, skill. Go home. Don't look, talk, or touch your dog for 20 minutes. Pretend it's invisible. And try that exercise and see how difficult it is for you. Most people listening would say, this guy's crazy. Don't look, talk, or touch my dog. As soon as I come home, I want to ingratiate myself with the dog. And that's what puts dogs out of balance. So, So what we teach is just deprogramming humans. It's really that simple. It's, it's, it's analogous to riding a bicycle. How much do you have to study? How many books do you have to read to ride a bicycle? You have to relax, pedal, look up and off you go at some point. So, so, and, and yeah, it's remarkable actually. And this is something I do every day is deprogramming human brain and watch them take a breath. They have to, they need their brain for all the, bookkeeping and accounting and whatever else scheduling. But when it comes to the interaction with dogs, it's almost transformational. I see people, franchisees come and it's almost watching them participate like yoga or something. They take this deep uh, exhale and they're like, wow, this is, it's crazy. Now um, for the franchisee, is the revenue come from the uh, kind of when the dogs are staying there or are there uh, additional revenue streams like, you know, grooming or training or, or other things dog related? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So our, our core business is doggy, doggy daycare, interactive doggy daycare. And thank God for that, because obviously boarding now is, is the pet franchises or pet businesses that focused in on boarding. They're pretty much fundamentally out of business now because just like hotels, there's no, there's nobody, very little people traveling or using hotels. So we always focused on our core business, which was interactive doggy daycare. Then, of course, we do, we have spa services. Uh, that That's a revenue stream. We avoid training because there's so many different types of training and stuff. We don't really want to be associated with some of the something that we can't training it to me is a very personal and important aspect. So when dogs come to doggy daycare, they're not being trained. We're not teaching them to sit. We're not screaming at them to roll over or give them a, we're not reading books to them. We're not doing anything. We're allowing them to be a dog. I kind of quite crudely say they, when they come to Houndstown, they can hump, jump and dump without getting screamed at opposed to when they go home, humans are projecting a lot of stuff on it. So to answer your question, uh, yeah, so spa services, we do boarding, but now boarding is off by 30%. But daycare is up by like 100%. So thank, uh, thankfully, that's our niche, uh, doggy daycare. And in the last five years, people got away from doggy. I wouldn't say get away from it, but they focused on luxury boarding and, and all of these kind of things, which, you know, suites with televisions in them, of course, so, and uh, we just kept it very simple and we kept to our core business model and it's proven to be very successful for us. 
Now, um, moving forward, you started, you mentioned in the Northeast, is that where the growth has been from there out, or you um, are kind of franchisees coming from all over the country at this point? Pretty much all over the country right now. And it's kind of a, it, it, it's kind of a phenomenon, like one person will start in Orlando, uh, and now we have a tremendous interest in Orlando, Tampa. We just opened a place up in Cocoa Beach. So it kind of, it, it, I don't know the exact reason why that occurs, but, but it does occur. And I don't know if it's from our marketing people, frankly, or how that gets developed. But uh, yeah, so uh, it, it, almost every state we're in now, we have at least two uh, Houndstowns, and they're growing very quickly. Well, but we're growing strategically. Well, congratulations on all the success. If somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation about Houndstown USA with you or somebody on your team, what's the website? Right. So you can go to houndstownusa.com and there's a link to franchising. Uh, and my name is Michael S. Gould, Michael Scott Gould, and I have my own website, uh, michaelsgould.com. And that tells you a little bit about my background. But Houndstown USA franchising, uh, you, you can just Google it and you'll get a, 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 a lot where we have a huge presence on YouTube. Uh, social media is our really main main driver through all of this uh, craziness. And, uh, yep. And I do completely appreciate your uh, allowing us to talk about a little bit about Houndstown. Well, um, it's a great story. And, again, uh Thank you for doing what you're doing. We really appreciate the work you're doing. And and I'm sure all of the people that have dogs out there are are, are happy to know that there's a solution out there that's going to help their dog and give them the peace of mind when they go back to work. Absolutely. It's an essential uh, service. That was a good a very uh, part of this. We be, were deemed an essential service because of all of the people you're talking about. But thanks again, Lee. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio.